and welcome on into Moving the Chains, episode 13. Getting to that part of the season, guys. I'm Amit Malik. Thanks a lot to Tim Hackett last week for taking control of the show. And what do you know, he's back for more because he couldn't <laughs> stay away. Joined by Tim this week. Tim and I have been really excited to do the podcast with you all this fall. And this week we're also joined by Zach Wingrove, football insider, Northwestern insider, writes the recaps for NorthwesternSports.com. So you can say he's he's pretty much on the beat, I think it's fair to say. I'll sure, I'll say. take that. Yeah. You will. <laughs> High praise. <laughs> High praise. Uh, we've got a good one for you tonight. We're recording this just after the college football playoff rankings came out, so you definitely want to tune in to that part of the show. But for Northwestern, we'll talk Minnesota, we'll talk Illinois, we'll talk about the Big Ten and you know how their bold predictions are going to shape up and you know what looks to be a very good Big Ten championship game. And then, of course, we'll wrap up with a national picture as well. But let's get started, guys, with this Minnesota game. Northwestern shut out the Golden Gophers 39-0 at Ryan Field. The second time Minnesota has come down to Evanston and been shut out. Um, not a lot of fun in this one, if unless you're a Northwestern fan, in which it was pretty much a one-sided party. What were the big takeaways, if there are any, uh, from a good win for the Cats? Well, I think domination. That was kind of the the key phrase that Pat Fitzgerald liked to use after the after the game in his press conference. Northwestern dominated every facet of this game. Uh, you really didn't realize until after you know hearing from Thorson, hearing from Fitzgerald, what a big impact the weather did play in it. Um, not a lot of pass attempts from either side, um, which obviously if you're Minnesota and you fall in a hole early, it's tough to jump, tough to come out of that hole when the defense literally knows you're not going to pass. And um, Northwestern dominated on the the line on both sides of the ball. Their front seven was incredible, as they have been during this six-game winning streak. The offensive line did a great job paving the way for Justin Jackson, who you know, added to his already incredibly impressive career, cementing himself right up there in the Big Ten record books, becoming just the second player ever to rush for 1,000 yards in four consecutive seasons, him and Ron Dane, of course. Um, so just complete domination on every side of the ball um, from what I saw, Tim. I think it must have felt good to be on this side of a result like this. Earlier, we saw Northwestern pound Bowling Green at home, and we've said this on this podcast this year, but I think you can kind of discount that because it's Bowling Green and it was going to be a one-sided game. Uh, so obviously, you're happy that that game was one-sided, but at the same time, you expected it to be that way. You didn't necessarily expect this game to turn out quite like that, and especially if you listen to our discussion last week. We certainly did not expect this to happen, uh, this to turn out like this. So I think the biggest takeaway was that, like Zach said, the weather must have had a huge impact, especially on Minnesota, which we were kind of joking about. Doesn't kind of is a little surprising to me because you would think that you know the team from Minneapolis would be more used to playing in dismal weather conditions with snow in the air. Um, but for whatever reason, while that the poor weather stifled their passing game completely, Minnesota was not able to do anything in any other aspect of the game either. This comes after they completely tore apart Nebraska, which Northwestern played to overtime with the previous week. And then Minnesota, of course, just uh, put up, I think, almost 420 yards of rushing against Nebraska, which is a nice total, but also it's just a ridiculous total. Demery Croft looked great on the ground in that game. And then against Northwestern, he couldn't do anything at all, which was amazing to me that Northwestern's defense, not because I was surprised about the quality of Northwestern's defense, but because we assumed that the Minnesota offense was going to be able to find some space, Northwestern's defense really surprised me. I thought everybody in that front seven, like you said, even into that second rotation, there were a few areas that I said, like, well, that was really poor. I thought Northwestern played an extremely, extremely great game. Yeah, Demery Croft uh, had more interceptions than he did completions, was sacked five times, just to illustrate what you guys are saying. But as you guys also said, Clint Thorson only threw uh, 13 
attempts on the whole day. Did get three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Was a mostly ground game. Justin Jackson, 171 yards. Uh, Minnesota had a decent total on the ground, but they were doing it the whole game. And I think, as you said, Tim, pretty much the whole front seven, you, you, you have to feel happy about and always a shutout. I mean, you can't yeah. ask for more than that. And Absolutely. Like Tim said, 514 yards that week before against Nebraska for Minnesota held to a season-low 182 this game. Just absolute domination. Yeah, only 11 pass attempts for Croft that entire game. When you're down by 30 points, it's just not not a good formula. <laughs> Took Northwestern a little bit to get started the first quarter. And we've seen we've seen this a lot recently in that game against Purdue. I think Purdue's defense is pretty solid. We talked about that last week as well. Uh, but it took Northwestern a little bit to find its footing, both figuratively and literally. They got a couple of big plays. Minnesota got quite a few big plays, but they were never able to turn that into anything. So it was really interesting to me because on Minnesota's drive summary was terrible, and we can talk about this in a minute, but they got a couple of – one of the first plays of the game was a big pass down the sideline to Rashad, uh, to Rashad Still, and then I was kind of thinking at that point, I was like, all right, we got a game, let's go, and then – Minnesota punted on that drive. They would punt on almost every drive in the half. Completed the, one pass after that well, Exactly, one. <laughs> one pass after that one. That was one of the first plays of the game. And you're right, they completed one pass the entire rest of the game. Rodney Smith and Kobe McCrary both had one or two big gains on the ground. And then other than that, nothing at all from the Minnesota offense, which I think has to be pretty, well, whatever the direct opposite of inspiring is for <laughs> P.J. Fleck, because there's not a lot to write home about for his team. It's tough to find a truly great performance from really anybody on the team, which is tough. Yeah, and you talk about Northwestern's defense. Nate Hall had another one of his career days. Three tackles for a loss, two and a half, where those were sacks, had a fumble recovery and an interception. You know, pretty much a complete performance. That being said, he only had seven tackles because no one, no individual player in Northwestern had to do that much. You guys have nailed it. It just was a pretty poor day all around. Northwestern's backups got a lot of yeah. run uh, in the fourth quarter, and they seemed fine too. Corey Acker scoring yeah. a touchdown as well. It's pretty dominant performance. I don't know what else really needs to be said. I want to ask you guys big picture. Six games in a row for Northwestern, first time since 1996. You know, things are starting to come together. We'll talk about this Illinois game, feel it's a win. I, I feel like this has been a popular topic. You know, how successful is this season? What does it mean to do this, but to have the season out of contention for the Big Ten title? All that, but how do you guys feel about the way this back half of the season has gone? I think it's gone about, I mean, obviously just as well as they expected and then some. Um, Maybe not every game was they didn't want to be as close uh, as the games actually were, but winning six straight winning six straight games is no easy task. The fact that they were able to do that, bouncing back from what many considered to be a disappointing season, I mean, yes, the Big Ten the top is top heavy this year, and so they may not get into a January first bowl like they did in 2015. So you can judge it however you want, but I think just based on how this team has been able to rebound, how they've been able to kind of show that. That, they, that they're capable of bouncing back and being able to hang tough with these teams like <laughs> Iowa, Michigan State, who are always near the top half of the Big Ten, it speaks volumes to where this program is headed. And if you want to look at even bigger picture, uh, Saturday's win was Northwestern's 25th win over the last three years, which is the most they've ever had in a three-year stretch since over 100 years ago, in 1903 to 1905. So since the three of us have been here freshman year, and they still have one, they just still have two more games to play, so they can add to that stretch over the last three years, speaks volumes to consistency. That's something that Pat Fitzgerald harps on, not you know being able to go 1-0 every week and um, you know contend in the Big Ten, and that's what they've been doing now for three straight years. And it just speaks volumes, especially now with the, these new facilities that they're putting in. And the program is very much 
on the rise and that you know the first step in getting there is consistency that's what they've shown in six game winning streaks help that I couldn't agree anymore there's not a whole lot more I have to say about that because I think that's spot on Zach I think that just and I, I like to you know tease Pat Fitzgerald for the, the the quotes and the lingo that he uses more than almost anybody else but at the same time I respect a lot of what he has to say and this is why I like Fitz as the head of a program like Northwestern because it is all about consistency because teams that are at the upper echelon of college football you know look at the rest of the Big Ten you look at a lot of teams in the SEC Pac-12 doesn't matter so teams like Penn State and Ohio State are expected to win every match no matter who they play. Now, obviously, you know, if you play Alabama, then, you know, maybe things go out the window, but you're expected to compete every week. Northwestern was not that kind of program. You see Northwestern on the schedule, and you say, all right, this ought to be a win for us. That isn't really the case as much anymore. What I do want to say is that it's really great that we can have this kind of perspective on this season after what we talked about right at the beginning of this season. One of the other times that I uh, guest hosted this podcast was right at the beginning of the year I think uh, right before the Wisconsin game so Northwestern was two and one that lost to Duke still very fresh in all of our minds uh, they were just off of that route of Bowling Green which again feels good but doesn't really mean too much um, so we were wondering what kind of season was this going to be where you know is this a bowl eligible team at season's end we all kind of said yes it should be but we weren't feeling too good because we knew that the two games that were coming up wisconsin and penn state are going to be near impossible to win and they proved impossible to win uh they didn't win them but since then this has been a completely different team it feels like uh and it's been really inspiring to see it of course at the end of the day they are bowl eligible they're going to get a pretty good bowl if not a great bowl at the end of the day at the end of the season, and they might have a chance to win that game, depending on how some things work out. So that consistency that Zach mentioned that Pat Fitzgerald and others preach, I think is the first step, and it's reflected in the last six games, all of which have been wins, which could not be a better sign for the situ the state of this program and their uh, identity and hopefully level of success moving forward. Yeah, and despite the losses to Wisconsin-Penn State, you know, the win over Michigan State is a really good win. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the win over Iowa is a good win. I agree. Um, you know, the rest of the wins, I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna give Nebraska or Purdue too much credit. I know going on the road in Nebraska is never easy. But those two wins really stand out to me. And I think that's solid. I think, as you said, Tim, they're going to get an opportunity to make a statement in the bowl game. And if they win that against a solid opponent, you can feel really, really good about the season. If you lose the bowl game... You know, you still won nine wins in the regular season. That's going to be awesome. Again, we won't know uh, until that bowl game happens. And one other thing that I know Pat Fitzgerald mentioned has been mentioning that he's so excited about is seeing this production from the younger players. It's been a, a really young encouraging yeah. sign moving forward. I mean, two of their best players, maybe aside from Godwin Iguabuke on the defense, has been Joe Gaziano, who's a sophomore, and Patty Fisher, who's a first year. And so. Being able to, I mean, get that kind of production, super encouraging for the team moving forward in a year where, you know, you didn't, there were some uncertainties on that front seven. That's a young, that's a young unit now. And moving forward, having that experience and having them play well on the you know, Big Ten, one of the highest levels you can play at. Um, having them play that well moving forward has got to be super encouraging for this team moving forward. I just want to say one more thing about what you said, Amit, because I think at the, when you look at the as a season in a retrospective, what the what happens in that last week is going to be what's most important because last season was a yeah, six and were, six season. It wasn't as great as people had hoped because it was you know would be Anthony Walker's last year and 
all the mainstays were in you know upper class years like Jackson and Iguabuque. So last year was supposed to be a great year, building off one of the best years ever in Northwestern history. And it wasn't because it finished six and six, but they finished seven and six because they won the bowl game against a good team. So if that happens again, we assume, we're going to talk about next week, or this weekend rather, we assume that's a win, then we have no idea who they might play in a bowl game. But if they win that game against a surely at least a good team, yeah. a few bad teams get into legitimate late December bowls, so it'll be at least a good, if not very good team that Northwestern plays. If they win that game, I think that you can almost erase some of the things that we were talking about earlier this season about, wow, this program is really struggling, this team doesn't look good in some areas. Obviously, you don't forget that if you're a coach or even as a fan or a media member, but if you win this bowl game, that's what matters the most to me. The pinstripe bowl win last year, great, and honestly, the getting shellacked in the Outback Bowl the year before that kind of put a damper on how good of a season that was. So, Obviously, two seasons ago was a better season overall with a lot more promise and a lot more positive outcomes, but the point of all this is if they win this bowl game, this whatever whatever it ends up being this year, because we know they'll be in one against a good team, I think that would cement this season as a total success, which is not something that we necessarily thought was a given a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, there's no way that 9-3 and three is a bad outcome for the regular season. That being said, there still is one game what? left. We've almost kind of made the outcome academic. I certainly <laughs> feel that it will be that way. But it's a rivalry. It's against Illinois in Champaign this Saturday at 3 p.m. What's Illinois going to do in this game to try to upset Northwestern? We know statistically we're going to look at the rankings uh, Big Ten-wise. They're near the bottom of the conference in a lot of things. This is a young team as well. Lovey Smith is the coach. There's really no way I can see this going well for Illinois, but... I don't know. Tell me, guys, what what can we expect from uh, the Illini this weekend? It's been tough this year, man. And I was rereading the uh, preview on WNUR for uh, at the end of the summer. I don't know who wrote it, but he really has his head on straight. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's tough because uh, Illinois lost a lot of players. They have a really veteran coaching staff. Lovey Smith was an NFL coach of the year. Uh, but it hasn't really translated he, he to the college game. He personally developed the Tampa 2 defense when he was at Tampa Bay as an assistant under Dungy. Like, he's one of the NFL, like, guys. Recent like, greats, yeah. Like, yeah, he's, like, he's been everywhere in the NFL. Pretty much done all you could do and got to a Super Bowl as well. Absolutely. Got Kind of got run out of Chicago recently, if, if you ask me. I don't know that he got a fully fair shake. Uh, obviously, the life of an NFL coach, if, if you're not Bill Belichick, is extremely turbulent, um, as we now well know as well, Zach. Um, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> the point of that is Illinois' coaching staff, very experienced, headed by Lovey Smith. They've got a lot of other folks on the staff that have NFL experience, long tenures in the college game at different levels, some head coaches, plenty of assistant coaches, coordinators, etc. But their players are not very, uh, I guess, developed. They're, they're still pretty green which is surprising for a team that wears orange. But uh, this is a not, not a very experienced team, and it showed last year, and it's showing even more this year. They One of their best uh, aspects last year was their pass rush. They had, a lot, they had two really great defensive ends, good defensive line. This year it hasn't really man manifested. They've only got 17 sacks. That's fourth to last in the conference, and they let up a lot of sacks. I was hoping the offensive line would be pretty good. I love their center. center. Nick Allegretti, but they've allowed the most sacks in the Big Ten as well. And then if you want to get into more, you know, tangible statistics, their scoring offense is terrible. They score 16 <laughs> points a game. They allow 30 and a half. That's not a recipe for success. You got outscored by 14 points a game on average. Yeah, their uh, scoring offense worst in the Big Ten. 
Scoring defense, you said they allowed 30 and a half, third worst in the Big Ten. Right, and average, you know, average outscored by two touchdowns per game. That's what. That's how you get to a winless conference season. It's been a tough year for Illinois. They have a couple of maybe bright-ish spots, but their wide receiver core has been banged up. Malik Turner has missed games. Mike Dudek hasn't played in weeks. It's been a really tough career for him. He was expected to have a good year, but he got hurt again, which is really sad to see. I feel badly for him. Uh, their quarterback position is a revolving door at best. Running back position hasn't been great. I think Kendrick Foster is pretty good. Is that even his name? I don't think I got that right. Uh, yes, I got it right. I should know. I wrote that in. I wrote that season preview. <laughs> Kendrick Foster is pretty good, but hasn't been great. And that position has also been a revolving door. It's tough. Um, it's just it's a tough season for Illinois. But with that being said, they're not going to a bowl game. They've only got two wins. But like I said for Northwestern, what happens in the last week of the season often defines your year. So Northwestern, number 22 in the CFP right now, top 25 team the last three weeks. They're going to a bowl. If Illinois beats Northwestern this year at home, that would be a hallmark win for this program, and it would turn around a lot of the struggles that this team has had. So it doesn't matter if they win by 30 or win by one. If Illinois wins this match, I think that a lot of good that would bring a whole lot of uh, cures for their ales, I guess. Take a lot, however, for that to happen. That it, would is, be, it would just be nice for them to play a close game. I totally yeah, from, I'd like for from it to their be cool. their perspective. You know, like you said, a lot riding on that last week. He, it's a lot to expect them to win, but even if they just played a good game, totally agree. Didn't get blown out. I think it would be good for them as well. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, and especially the uh, the aspect we haven't really got into yet, the recruiting aspect. Illinois, Northwestern's won four of the last five um, against Illinois. Obviously, huge for both these teams going after some of the higher profile recruits. How Illinois performs in this game could speak, as Tim mentioned, a young team um, to where they're headed in the future. I know one stat I have about Illinois: seventy nine cumulative true freshman starts this yeah. season. The program record before this year was 34, so they're just trying to test out a lot of different freshmen in there. Ten are expected to start, I believe, on uh, on Saturday. Um, they've used 30 people who've started their first time this season. I'd be lying if I said I've watched a down of <laughs> Illinois football all year, but um, looking at some of their numbers, I know Cam Thomas expected to make his second start. He's a freshman quarterback. Um, beat out Jeff George Jr. And who, Chase Crouch. Okay, yeah, and Chase Crouch. So, um kind of mixing it up in that yeah. offense, trying to just throw anything out and see what sticks, it seems like. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to prepare for multiple guys this Northwestern secondary. You'd expect Illinois, if they fall behind early, they're going to be airing it out on that Northwestern secondary, which has had problems <coughs> in the past. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it can be hard sometimes to prepare for different quarterbacks, depending on, you know, you don't know. Some, uh, some people are better in the pocket. Some are better dual-threat quarterbacks. Having to prepare for multiple guys could be an issue. But I don't seeing it that be that big of an issue. For last last thing on that quarterback situation is Chase Crouch started last week against Ohio State. I was going to echo you and say I haven't watched a down of Illinois football. I watched about four of that game against Ohio State. Ohio State had the ball, so you know <laughs> couldn't see too much. And that was game was not not a contest from the beginning, as you might expect. Why not covered? <laughs> did they really? Well, yeah, no, the spread was forty, and they 40. lost by thirty-eight. Oh wow! They covered oh, by two. Chase Crouch attempted 14 passes in that match, completed four of them for 16 yards. Sounds a little bit like Demry Croft against Northwestern. The previous week, Jeff George Jr. started at quarterback, didn't play terribly well um, against Indiana, and Illinois lost by 10, scored only 14 points. Um, so they're back to Cam Thomas at quarterback. 
Kendrick Foster had a good game against Indiana, did next to nothing against Ohio State. Completely different defenses, I grant you. But again, the offense has not found any consistency. And with their top two receivers banged up for a lot of this latter half of the season, it's tough no matter who's under center. And conversely, it's tough for whoever plays out wide because if, if whoever's under center can't get you the ball, you can't do anything. It doesn't matter if you're a top receiver like Malik Turner or whoever their sixth ring wide receiver is right now that's got to step up and play outside one minutes because everybody else is hurt. Yeah, Illinois' only two wins of the year against Ball State and Western Kentucky have lost every game since then. There's really, I can't really find a way Illinois wins this game. I think a really interesting question, maybe I'll leave to you guys, is Kent Northwestern cover? Uh, 16 and a half. The spread is 16 and a half. It's a really interesting line. Northwestern, you know, traditionally doesn't really blow out opponents too much. They did so against Minnesota. They'll be on the road. I don't know. Do you think Northwestern takes care of that? Because I'm not going to ask you guys, will Northwestern win the game? I think that would be not fair to ask for a Northwestern perspective. It's tough. I'm with you, Mitt, because Northwestern doesn't usually blow teams out. They, of course, blew a team out last week, and they blew Illinois out at home last year, doubled them up 42-21. Two years ago was a one-score game. Exactly, at at Soldier Field. Never felt like Northwestern was going to lose that game, but certainly was a very sloppy Felt like a one-score game last year, not not so. Completely agree with you. The, the the special teams for Illinois in that game, I actually got to go, was horrendous. Uh, Tommy Zalewski missed one or two field goals that one of them I think was tough, but one or two of those other ones he should have made, uh, if memory serves. But yeah, that game was pretty good. Uh, neutral side, I think fans got up for it, and the teams, of course. But last year, the uh, the Northwestern rush offense especially really showed out. West Lunt actually had a good game through the air, but he's gone. He's in the pros somewhere uh, now, the former Illinois quarterback. I expect that on the heels of that ground game that Northwestern was able to put up against Minnesota, which is expected to be a better defensive team, especially up front, I think maybe that'll provide some spark and maybe they'll be able to put up the same kind of offensive performance against an inferior Illinois front. Offensive line played really well, as we've talked about on WNUR over the week. Um but uh, to answer your actual question a minute, I don't know that I would pick Northwestern just to win by more than 16 and a half. I think you go around 16, that's not a bad line. Uh, this isn't my it might be area. one of those games you stay away from. Yeah, this isn't my area of expertise, <laughs> but like I would well, probably stay away from you, it. You, Tim, you came to the right spot. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> um, it's tough. I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record of it coming on college, your college football podcast, but this Northwestern team is one that <laughs> plays to the level of its competition. Obviously, last week, a little bit of an outlier. I do pin some of that on the weather. Minnesota not being able to throw the ball. Looked at the weather. 49 and sunny in Champaign Whoa. on Saturday. Oh. No better place to be. Uh, <laughs> 19 mile per hour wins, but still, yeah, oh, it's early. That could be really interesting for the kicking game. A but, lot yeah. could change. I mean, Northwestern certainly has experience playing on, you know, on as close to Lake Michigan as they do playing with the wind like that. But it's tough, especially if the weather isn't freezing rain like it was against Minnesota and Illinois falls behind early and has a chance to air it out. This Northwestern secondary has shown they're prone to uh, allowing big plays from time to time, even if sometimes the, the back, plays... The back door could be very open. The back door could be very open. They almost, Purdue almost covered against Northwestern. Yeah, except for that Marcus McShepard pick. Very clutch interception, but... Uh, so I, I would agree with Amit. I think it's a stay away. I think that yeah. uh, there's just a lot that could go wrong in this and 16 and a half is high for this Northwestern team although I think they are definitely going to win two over two touchdowns just seems like a lot well I think that serves well for predictions for this weekend on Saturday 3 p.m. I think they'll win Tim says stay away Zach says stay away I think that means they don't want to take Northwestern but they also could see Northwestern doing it we'll check back in next week 
to see how that went. <laughs> that about wraps it up for our Northwestern talk. Let's move on to the Big Ten as a whole. Uh, coming down to an interesting little end for the conference, we know what the Big Ten championship game will be. Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Um, let's start there, guys. You know, these two teams, Wisconsin got it done against Michigan. I know it's two weeks away, but how do you feel about this um, Big Ten matchup? I think, go ahead, sorry. I think it'll be a great game. I, I agree, great game. I mean, we've certainly seen this matchup at least one time in the past. I know three years ago we saw Cardale Jones come in as Ohio State ran the table, ended up winning the national championship that year. I don't know if they've played since then, although Wisconsin has been in it a lot. Um, I think five of the seven years the Big Ten championships existed. But, yeah, it's going to be – I expect Wisconsin to con try to control this game, as they have every game. They have that dominant offensive line. They have that dominant defense. They have a really dominant running back in Jonathan Taylor. And I think that, you know, if they can win that battle up front, some long drives, long time of possession – that's obviously going to be the key. I have not been impressed with what I've seen from Alex Hornibrook um, so far. He, he he brings it when he needs to. In that second half against Michigan, he made some good throws. He made enough good throws to win. But there was a stretch in that game. Obviously, it was at the same time as the Northwestern game, so didn't get to watch it as closely as I would have liked. But Wisconsin looked like they were in trouble. They were losing to Michigan. They were not able to move the ball at all because defenses were keying in on Taylor. Hornibrook just – and he needs to be able to step up and make a couple of big throws – just to free up that for Taylor. And uh, that, I think, is the X factor for Wisconsin. It's going to be, can Alex Hornibrook make just a couple big throws, just enough for you know the D Ohio State defense to have to respect them? Um, that's that's kind of my perspective, Tim. I'm a tad bit biased here, but I I, uh, I feel like we're kind of missing out with not having Penn State in this championship game because of the, season, the way team. that Fun they team. started this year and because of all of the foolish hoopla around benching JT Barrett for Ohio State. And if... You were with us the first time I guested this podcast at the beginning of this year. We talked a little bit about that because I thought that that was a bad take at that point. And for once, I was proven right because now people are talking about Barrett as a, you know, obviously not going to win, but now an outsider Heisman candidate again. The best so, quarterback ever to play at Ohio State, <laughs> as I'm seeing online now. There you go. Case in point. So how things change in Columbus on a weekly basis. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so... Even though, you know, I'm a little annoyed that Penn State won't be in there. They'll still be in a great bowl game, and people will be able to see, you know, the quality of that team like Northwestern's got, like Northwestern fans got to see last month. Um, but about the game at hand, I think this will be a classic case of offense versus defense. Uh, it's really a simplistic way to look at it because Ohio State's defense is actually quite good as well, but everybody knows about Wisconsin, how they always manage the game. Their their line is always among the best in the entire country on both sides of the ball. They've got two or three really great offensive linemen this year and two or three really great running backs to go with that. I think those go hand in hand, but you, it's nice to have one, and then when you have two, both of those things, then that's what makes you the number five team in the country. Then on the flip side, their defensive line and their linebackers are really good. They have one or two really good safeties as well. I love Wisconsin's defense. And, of course, you look at Ohio State's offense. Barrett, Dobbins, Parrish Campbell on the outside. This is a really good crew. Um, I think it'll be a good game and one that football fans deserve to see because, again, offense versus defense – Defense wins championships, offense wins games. I, I don't care how trite <laughs> that is. It's very true. So, you know, we'll see if it holds out because, as we'll talk about, the result of this game, I think, has massive implications. Yeah, I think it'll be a really fun match. I've really seen Wisconsin get tested this season. Not that they weren't against Northwestern Ohio, but they took care of business. I think a first game that they're really going to be really up for. Talk about last week in the Big Ten wasn't a lot, really, to write home about. 
Iowa, a rather disappointing loss to Purdue, 24-15. I think otherwise everything went as expected around the conference. And then you look at this upcoming week, not a lot of very exciting matchups. I think the big one that's really interesting is Ohio State-Michigan, but you think Ohio State should take care of business. They're 12 points favorites. Is there any way that Michigan could maybe get a stab in Ohio State? They wouldn't necessarily derail them from the Big Ten title game, but if they won, Ohio State would certainly be knocked out of the college football playoff. Any chance Michigan can do that in the game? No. Plain and simple. <laughs> uh, Michigan lost Brandon Peters uh, against Wisconsin. <coughs> I don't know if he's coming back. I, it was a head injury when it, many thought after the initial hit it could have been a broken collarbone. Got driven into the ground, similar to like the Aaron Rodgers play earlier this year. Thank, I, I guess if you want to say thankfully, uh, <laughs> it was only a head injury, so who knows, yeah, sure. who knows his status for that game. But Ohio State is with that second loss to Iowa, they know what they have to do now in order to make the college football playoff, and that is they have to basically annihilate every team they see from here on out. They did it against Michigan State. They did it against Illinois last week. Um, and if, if they jump ahead early against Michigan in a big rivalry game in the big house, I don't think Urban Meyer will hesitate to keep his foot on the gas pedal and keep running up the score because he knows not only do they have to win, but they have to look good while doing it if they want to have any chance of sneaking into that college football playoff. So... I think that you're going to see a very motivated Ohio State team. You're going to see a Michigan team who fought hard with Wisconsin last week, lost their quarterback. Um, and even if he does come back, it's just going to be a Michigan team that suffered a real setback last week. Um, and, yes, it's a rivalry game. They'll get up for it. But I think Ohio State's the better team. They have more to play for, and we'll, that will show on the field. Yeah, again, couldn't agree anymore, Zach. Uh, I, I like Michigan, but I don't like them in this game. I think Ohio State has proven to be a superior team on all sides. And again, even even though you I mean you mentioned correctly, Brandon Peters going out last week was huge. But you, you can't forget he was their third string quarterback to begin with. Uh, so Wilton Spate got hurt earlier this year. I read a little bit about John O'Corn. Was listening to some talk about him, and I was you know I believed what people were saying. I thought that he was going to be a good option. Um, there were some Michigan fans who were almost happy that O'Corn was in instead of Wilton Spate. I will never take that view because I don't like to see players get hurt no matter how much I like or dislike them. But, you know, it's the reality of the situation. So Spate was gone. O'Corn stepped in. He didn't play very well at all. So that's why Peters is in to begin with. Um, so I think if you just look at that, I think you, you kind of realize that Michigan has a lot of questions left to answer, and this is why there are John Harbaugh firing talks being swirled around, which I also think is foolish. Um, I just love college football media, you guys. Um, the short answer to your question is I think Ohio State wins this game. 12-point spread is, I think, I think fair. I think um, it might end up being 14 in favor of Ohio State, but I don't think a whole lot more than that. Sounds about right. Again, really nothing else great to look forward to that week. Northwestern, Illinois should take care of business. Penn State should take care of Maryland. Indiana, Purdue, really don't care. Iowa, <laughs> Nebraska, really don't care. Um, you know, it, there's, some, there's some other games during rival week that you should probably keep your eye on. Maybe transitioning now to still Big Ten a little bit, but also just a national picture. What does the Big Ten look like on New Year's Day? There's six bowls. Two of those are the college football playoff games. Can the Big Ten field three teams in? It looks like Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin will be in that mix. I think it would be really good for the conference to do that. I certainly think that's on the table. It will be interesting to see because, as I mentioned earlier, I think the winner of the Big Ten championship is going to get in the college football playoff unless something crazy happens this weekend and Auburn beats Alabama. And if that happened, they'd probably take Ohio State's spot if they beat Wisconsin. Correct, yes. And then that would mean the SEC championship, either Auburn or Georgia would get in. 
you could make an argument for Alabama getting in over potentially an undefeated Wisconsin. I think if Wisconsin beats Ohio State, they get in over Alabama, who doesn't win the SEC championship, or even maybe in Oklahoma. I think the Big Ten champion will get in. If it's Wisconsin, if Wisconsin wins, I think they're if in the Wisconsin college wins, they're undefeated. They no matter what happens with from... Auburn and Alabama this week, yeah. if Al- if everything goes as expected and Alabama wins, then I think that the Big Ten champion will get in regardless of if, if it, of if it's Ohio State and Wisconsin. Now the interesting thing you you mentioned three teams admit if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, then then they should three losses. That's they three probably losses. Don't Penn State it. only has two losses, but is it fair to penalize Ohio State for playing in that extra game? Mm-hmm. When they are currently ranked one spot ahead of Penn State, um, is it fair to punish Ohio State um, for that? I, I don't think you can do yeah. that to a team. And I, you think you look at so you know there's the top four cultural playoffs. The bowl names doesn't really matter. I'm sure you're familiar. Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Cotton Bowl, and then you think about the teams that will be involved. Penn State probably will get in. They're going to win against Maryland, and they don't have a chance at getting the extra game. So you can pencil them in. You look at Notre Dame going to be there. USC, Pac-12, they're going to be there. Miami or Clemson, whoever doesn't get that ACC championship game will be there. Auburn will be there if they lose to Alabama, probably. And then you have... Did you, you mention know, Georgia? Then you have Georgia, UCF, and who are the last teams? Is it, yeah. is it, is it, Penn, is it uh, Ohio State? Is it Wisconsin, the loser of that Big Ten game? Or does someone else get to get in if, uh, like you said, you know, Ohio State loses... You know, a third game. Like, what what does that look like? Or and if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, you have you would think Wisconsin gets in one of the New Year's six, only having one loss all year, especially if it's a close loss to totally Ohio agree. State. Yeah. But as Tim mentioned, this Penn State team is probably one of the most talented five teams in the they, country. Yeah. They, the two losses definitely hurts their case, and they're not going to be playing in the Big Ten championship. I think it'll be a lot like last year. Penn State USC was a really great bowl yeah, that game. Was a really yeah. great game. And, and it's I something people we'll want to see yeah. on a big stage, like a New Year's Six Bowl. They want to see Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. So I think Penn State is going to be one of those get yeah. one of those spots, and I don't think it's fair to penalize Ohio State if they lose, or Wisconsin if they only have one loss. They lost one fewer game than Penn State. I think both of those teams deserve to make it. Yeah, and you think about the other teams that could be in there. TCU certainly has a shot. Washington State, if they beat Washington, I think they have a really good chance of making it in New Year's Six. They're, again, been a crazy year for Washington yeah, State. Yeah, it's, it's been a really wild year for the Cougs. Right in the mouth four weeks ago. I see Mississippi State there at 14, but I do think they're probably going to be hard-looked to get in a New Year's Six Bowl just because of the SEC. I, I think UCF, just because of their conference, they, they have a chance. Michigan State's probably... I think they're probably out of it at, at uh, sixteen. Would you do you guys think three is right? Do you, would you give me a prediction that you would see the loser of the Big Ten championship game, Penn State, in with the winner of the Big Ten championship game in the playoff? Yes, unless something like I said, unless something yeah. happens with Bama, which I don't expect to. I think three sounds about right. Yeah, it's good. The, I think the permutation that we haven't really like uh, looked at too closely is that. I, I don't know that if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, because obviously Miami... You, think you don't know if they get in over an SEC team like I, Georgia. I really that's don't. The question. I don't know that that's a given. Um, I certainly think that the, the, the playoff committee would love to put Ohio State in there. We can be as, I can be as cynical as anyone, and we can be as cynical as we'd like. Uh, if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, I think they would be very tempted to put them in that Final Four just because of the yeah, name recognition with right. Urban Meyer. And here's, and here's the 538 projections. By no, Again, it's a projection. If Ohio State wins out, 538 says 62% they make the playoff. And that's what you say you're tempted to put them in. But Georgia's still at 32%, yeah. and I think that's exactly the scenario you're talking about. Ohio State wins out, but they have two losses. Georgia 
you know, puts in a respectable showing against Alabama. They're the fourth team over Ohio State. And you kind of hit the nail on the head with that last point. A lot of it is going to come down to how these teams look in that conference championship game. If Georgia gets absolutely run by Alabama, they're not getting in the college football playoff. And it's just like what happened two years ago. Ohio State, Baylor, and TCU were all up for that final four spot. Ohio State went out and scored 50 points against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship with Cardell Jones. And all of a sudden, they look impressive. They want to put in this team who's playing incredible and blowing teams out. That's why I say... This week against Michigan is still a big game for Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, they don't want to win they a one-touchdown game. Right, they don't need to win this game by seven. If they can win by 30, then all of a sudden they're... <laughs> like, if they just start blowing teams out, and it's hard to look past that in Ohio State, especially if they beat you know, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Michigan three out of the last four weeks, all in very like undeniable fashion. I think that it's hard to overlook that Ohio State team. The simplest case is this. Wisconsin beats Ohio State. Yeah. They're in. Miami and Clemson are going to play in the ACC championship. I think it would be cool to have them both in. They're two and three right now. They would play again, in theory, if the playoff started today and nobody changed. That would be kind of cool, but that's not going to happen. Um, one of those teams, I think, will be out because I don't know that you can leave an undefeated Wisconsin team out. So that's the easiest scenario to me. Alabama wins against Auburn, which is not a given, but let's say it happens. So it'll be Alabama, either Miami or Clemson. You can take your pick there. Oklahoma and Wisconsin in some order. That's the easiest situation, which, of course, to me means that that's not what's that's not right. what's going yeah. to happen. Maybe Something Oklahoma in, could lose sure. to TCU. That's one we haven't that's talked about. Right. West you Virginia, think, you mean? Sorry, yeah. It's yeah. West Virginia in that Big 12 title game. There's no oh, big, no oh, big no, 12, no big 12 game. title so game. this is it Sorry, this is their Oklahoma, last week. Yeah. You'd think that Oklahoma should take care of West Virginia. I mean, Baker Mayfield's not starting, but there's no way he's yeah. not closing that game out if it's close. Yeah, this is going to be like yeah. a, he's out for the, so like Oklahoma are going to receive the, the kick to start the game, and then they'll go three and out with whoever their backup quarterback is. Are, we, and are you then sure there's come, no Big 12 championship game this year? He'll come in and play the second possession. That's going to be kind of the benching thing. That happened with like Guys that actually get suspended by the university, they don't play a half. There, There is a Big there 12 championship game. So TCU theoretically could knock off Oklahoma. That's not but out of the car. It's really, not out of the car. Really that's, what, that's what you, exactly what you're talking about, Tim. Like, we think there's a simple scenario, and it doesn't necessarily end up that way. Right. Never is. Also, you just can't ignore the similarities between this year's Iron Bowl. <laughs> the yeah, fact the that Alabama has just completely yeah, dominated the season. Yeah. Uh, 20, yeah, the 2013 Iron Bowl. Alabama's completely dominated, but if Auburn just wins this game, then they advance to the SEC title game um, and can completely ruin Alabama's season. Now, with the college football playoff, we don't know if that will ruin Alabama's season or not, whether or not they've built up a strong enough resume to to lose a game, whether it be this one or the SEC's championship and still get in, remains to be seen. But in Auburn, big game between two, you know, the top, what, six teams in the country, whereas Auburn... um, yeah, two of the top six teams in the country, Auburn six, Alabama one. A lot of similarities, and that Auburn defense is really tough to score on. Bama, the last, I mean, Bama two weeks ago against Mississippi State had quite the scare. There's a lot of similarities here, guys, between you know that 2013 game and this game, and if Alabama loses, everything goes yeah, out the window totally here, and agree. who knows what will happen. Yeah. So I'll ask you guys, let's start small, and then we'll go big. Who wins, Auburn versus Alabama? Can Auburn pull off the upset? It's tough. I mean, I'm not. It's, it's always hard to predict yeah. it. If you're yeah. predicting an Auburn upset, you're kind of saying, "I'm going with my gut feeling." It's it's hard to say. Like, I think this game will go this way. I totally. Where agree. you know Alabama's the better team. Yeah, I don't really have like the you know the 
all the, the super, you know, six pages of evidence to support one <laughs> argument or another. Um, obviously, you go with some heuristic thinking and, and just anything you may have seen, and you say, all right, Alabama's got the pedigree. They have the success. They have the reputation. So it's tough to pick against them. Uh, still, you know, you've got the history and the matchup and just how important this and, matchup and means you know to everybody involved. And you know it's at Auburn this year, right. which mm-hmm. certainly means 100% it's going to be a juiced-up atmosphere. Yeah, Absolutely. college game day there. <laughs> it ought to be probably fair enough. <laughs> right, and it's just, I mean, it's so hard to pick against Alabama. You almost can't do it based on, you know, like as Tim said, the pedigree they've built up over the years. You, you feel foolish picking against Bama, so you have to think Bama, and like you said, Amit, you can't really predict these kind of upsets, but it's definitely in play. I mean, playing a top, playing the sixth best team in the country, anything can obviously happen. But you have to assume that Alabama's yeah. going to get the job done just based on what Nick Saban has done in the past. So I'll ask you guys, what are the four teams you have in in two weeks' time? They're going to have that selection show. What does it look like for you guys? I have, I'll start. I have Alabama. I have Clemson beating Miami. That Clemson defense is very impressive. Um, Oklahoma gets the job done, and Wisconsin. Okay, I think they. The, the I think straight they, scenario. I like it. And I think it makes they've sense. been slighted by team. <laughs> they've been slighted, and they are going to come in ready for this Ohio State game. They're not going to let history repeat itself and get blown out. Wisconsin. Sam Brief would be proud. Yes, he would. Yeah, that was honestly kind of similar to what I was going to say because I think that that makes a lot of sense. But just for the sake of different differing opinions, it'll be like one of anybody's favorite. Sports TV talk shows, we can just have a debate about everything. I'll go with a couple of different things and make it a somewhat plausible scenario. Um, I still think Alabama will be the one, um, but I'll take Miami over Clemson for two, and then Ohio State will beat Wisconsin in the championship to kind of throw everything off into a little bit of a tizzy, Mm -hmm. and that puts Ohio State in at the four and bumps Oklahoma up to three if they're able to beat if they're able to escape the end of the uh, Big 12 season unscathed. I do think you can't overlook TCU. I like their offense. Obviously, Oklahoma has a fantastic offense with a probable Heisman winner right now. It's it's interesting how much that debate has changed this year as well. <laughs> We've talked about Saquon Barkley being the you know the heir apparent for about eight weeks of this season, and now it's the awards Baker Mayfield's, which is really interesting to me. Anyway, so I'll go with Alabama, Miami, Oklahoma, and Ohio State just for something fun, but I honestly think Zach's scenario makes a lot of sense as well. We'll check back in next week ahead of uh, the, the the championship weeks, rival week this week. It's getting down to that really fun time of college football season. Yeah. Let's end Moving the Chains with my favorite segment, uh, the ADT Lock of the Week. Lock your house, lock your pick. Thanks a lot to Tim for running this as well last week. We were 1-1. One and one. Henry DeBoer had NC State over Wake Forest. I was Wake by one and a half, and Tim, you told me that Henry said that NC State would win by seven and that there was no chance uh, the Demon Deacons would win. Well, they did, Henry. (laughs) Uh, Not great. Sam had Oklahoma by 37 over Kansas. A good pick in theory, and just, just they made it happen. They won by 38. Those big spreads are always... Uh, very intriguing, but the Sooners got it done. A lot of controversy there with Mayfield, his crotch, and handshakes. <laughs> Leave it at that. Uh, that puts the station at 17-9-1 on the season. A pretty good mark. Not sterling, but um, I feel okay about it. We're pretty much you know, two-thirds of the time. We've got you covered. Um, what do you guys got for me this week? Uh, let's, get, let's get a lock from each of you. Zach, I'll start with you. 
What do you have as your ADT lock of the week? Yeah, it's a weird week because it's rivalry week. Anything can happen. A lot of big lines. So, you know, if you're picking a team, you got to be really confident that that team can win by two or more scores. Um, and I'm going to pick, pick one of those slightly bigger lines. I'm going to take Georgia on the road at Georgia Tech. Georgia minus 11. Um, I've been impressed with Georgia. Obviously, that setback against a very good Auburn team. They let that game get out of hand late. Other than that, have won games very convincingly all season, so I, that you know that big line doesn't really scare me. Georgia Tech hasn't looked great this year. Um, you look at some of their losses, Tennessee at the beginning of the year. Um, certainly th that Tennessee loss looks a lot worse <laughs> now at this point in the year. Um, they, they recently beat Virginia Tech, who was ranked 17 in the country by six, but then lost by 23 to Duke. Still don't think this Duke team is that great. I think that North Northwestern would agree that you know that was one that they kind of let get away from them. Um, Frustrated here, still on that one. Zach. Yeah, Tim knows <laughs> better than that. Tim Enemit know better yeah. than anyone both at that game. But um, also a rivalry game. Georgia had won five, um, three. Georgia has won what six of the last eight. So. Um, you know, I think that Georgia's got a lot to play for. They got a lot to play for, and minus eleven doesn't really scare me away, even though they're on the road. Give me Georgia. Again, this isn't really my area of expertise, but I'm not going to be a party pooper. I'll play along here. <laughs> um, I, I'm staying as far away from NC State as possible <laughs> after last week, especially, but also after the last ten or so years of being aware of how NC State does sports. They're good at sports this year. Their volleyball team is really good. Football team's really good. Basketball team is not going to be good. Uh, women's soccer team. Women's soccer. The men's soccer. They're both good. Uh, it's been, they've both been good for a little while, yeah. but um, tough when you play against Duke and UNC so much yeah. in women's soccer and in men's to an extent. But there's a reason that NC State stuff is a Twitter trend. May or may not be a different word there in the third in the third word of that in that phrase. So I'm staying away from the Wolf Pack. I'm going to go to the SEC. Another, not really a rivalry game, but a big game for a lot of SEC fans. LSU against Texas A&M. LSU is favored by 10.5. I'm going to take A&M. Yeah, yeah, you will. Um, <laughs> this is a really risky one, and I don't have a whole lot of well-researched basis for this like Zach provided, so go with me on this. A&M um, are 7-4 and four this year. They're firmly out of... Any top twenty-five discussion. This is the this is the Kevin Sumlin year. This Eighty-four is, every year. That's right. He's got to get a big win somewhere. He's got to get a big win somewhere. This is moments, and I have I love Darius Geis at LSU, but I don't like Danny Etling, and I'm not sure I really like too many other guys on the team. So I think that this could be a a, t a place where LSU I don't want to say ekes out, but manages a ten-point win, which would be. Inside the ten and a half point spread oh, that yeah. LSU is getting, oh. so I'll, it's a risky it's a risky move. I'm hoping that LSU takes it by ten. Give me A and M to cover. Great, I love it. Tim knew what he was doing coming on this podcast, picking against the Tigers. Seven and four, Texas A and M. It almost seems <laughs> it like almost seems like it's too destiny. easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, there you have it. Zach taking Georgia on the road minus eleven. Tim taking Texas A and M plus ten and a half over LSU. We'll both. check back in next week to see how these guys did. Getting to that time, I think these these locks are getting better and better. <laughs> Maybe not. Recently, we'll yeah. see about yeah. that yeah. one. We'll see about that. <laughs> Thanks a lot to Tim Hackett and Zach Wingrove. I'm Amit Malik signing off here for Moving the Chains episode 13. Make sure you tune in. Uh, Sam Brief and I will be on the call on Saturday at 3 p.m. against Illinois. And make sure you keep tuning in as we close out the college football season.